0: minimum of 4 lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due $35 per line connection charge applies ctmobile.com
1: with 14 candidates in the mayor's race Chicago citywide elections were already making history in sheer volume but this past Tuesday, the voters took it to another level. History will be made again. The City Council will experience some serious change, and we have two great political analysts ready to show you what's behind the headlines. And we'll also talk about what's ahead. Hello, I'm Political Editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guests this week and include WBBM political analyst Andy Shaw of the BGA. He shared the studio with me, Chris Crydell and Cisco Coto on election night. He is the and he is the former direct uh, head of the BGA, I should say. Uh, also joining me here is Heather Sharone, managing editor of the Daily Line, which provides online reporting for political professionals. I will say that she and her team have been a great resource to me in our reporting. Well, welcome to both of you.
0: Always a pleasure to be back before, during, and after an election.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, let's talk top of the ticket first. Uh, I've been thinking of this crowded election as kind of a laboratory uh, of political campaigns. So what might we have learned about what works and what doesn't in, uh, in
2: campaigns?
1: Uh, Heather? Heather?
2: Uh, Well, the last name of Daly didn't work as well as I think a lot of people expected it to. Also, um, you know, Lori Lightfoot finished in first place, and she spent nearly five times less than Daly did. Uh, Tony Preckwinkle finished in second place with the support of the SEIU and the Chicago Teachers Union. Uh, So union support definitely paid off, but uh, the city is definitely poised for a much more progressive path.
0: And, you know, as we discussed on Tuesday night, Craig, I think I was shocked by the low turnout. And maybe the 14 candidates so muddled the field and the minds of potential voters that they couldn't get through the clutter and decide who to vote for. But when you have such an important election with an open seat and so many daunting challenges facing a city— You'd think more people would want to participate, and yet it was near a record low. Now, I think that's going to change for April 2nd with two candidates, but I think maybe the 14 candidates, yes, historical, but I think it was a turnoff for a lot of voters. It's been a very cold winter. The pre-election season was cold. Election day was cold. So I think that's disappointing. On the other hand, um, I think that with two candidates now, I think it's going to warm up both in terms of interest and weather.
1: You know, I'd like to think that, but I'm wondering, though, you've got a couple of uh, voting blocks that may feel they have nowhere to go right now. Um, the uh, police and, and, and fire uh, vote, of certainly the FOP, no friends of either Tony Preckwinkle or Lori Lightfoot. I think there there may be even more enmity for Lori Lightfoot. Um, and uh, the, I'm not sure the business community
0: knows where, where to go here, is it possible that we could have even lower turnout? Oh, that's a great question. And when you think about it, this is the first election, I think, in the city's history where you haven't had a quote-unquote white ethnic organization candidate to capture the hearts and minds and votes of the southwest side and the northwest side and parts of the lakefront. That, of course, is going to be really interesting. You have two fairly far-left progressive African American women and that's going to I think as you point out that's going to cause some real consternation for the more conservative white ethnic voters. You also may have a lack of interest among Latino voters because there's no Latino candidate and so you may be right. I mean, I think people were looking at more like 50% in April compared to the 33% on Tuesday. But if the people Northwest and Southwest stay home without a candidate in the race, it could be very low again. And that, of course, means it's going to be decided along the lakefront in the, and in the African-American wards.
2: So in 2015, the turnout for the runoff between Mayor Rahm Emanuel and now Congressman Jesus Chuy Garcia was about 43%. So that might be where we end up again. Uh, One thing that struck me about Tuesday's turnout was that the number of millennial voters voters between the ages of sort of 25 and 34 um, really didn't turn out um, that share their share of the electorate dropped by nearly 30 percent and, and that was
0: the group Heather that was supposed to be all excited by the Amara Enya campaign with chance the rapper kicking in and Kanye West but then if you look they were they were nowhere to be found on election day I thought some of them would get excited by Susana Mendoza, who's older than they are, but very youthful in her campaigning. And yet, when push came to shove, again, those same people who've been excited, they were very excited during the presidential race. A lot of them were Bernie Sanders folks. They just basically sat this one out. Maybe they're waiting for April. And maybe. And I, and I would, you know, one other thing that I noted the number
1: of African American votes that, or African American wards that went for Willie Wilson actually was pretty high. Absolutely. But the
0: turnout was low. So
1: if... Willie won
0: Willie won 14 black wards, Preckwinkle won four, Lightfoot won none. And so if you want to look ahead to April, I think this election is going... I think Preckwinkle's chances of beating Lightfoot are going to depend in large part on what happens in the Willie Wilson wards because... I can't help but think that those lakefront voters who like the anti-corruption campaign are going to stay with Lightfoot. And she swept the North Lakefront. Tony swept the South Lakefront and Hyde Park and those areas. But all those big inner city African-American wards that went for Willie Wilson, I think it'll be interesting to see if he endorses one or the other. And of course, Lightfoot has a problem in those neighborhoods because there's there's a big swath of African-American churches that still have not accepted uh, gay men or women and I think that they're gonna have a hard time selling their their parishioners on Lori Lightfoot mm.
2: I thought back to Tony Preckwinkle's announcement of her mayoral run where she clearly said that she was running to sort of re-establish the Harold Washington coalition of African-American voters and lakefront liberals that swept him into office for two terms um, that did not happen on Tuesday. Um, Lori Lightfoot cut significantly into Tony Preckwinkle's support on the northwest uh, north side. And if Lori Lightfoot can sort of bring those non-Precwinkle voters home, um, she has a clear shot at the fifth floor. But like
0: we were saying, uh, the African-American wards on the south and west side are going to be crucial to Willie Wilson wards. And if you were going to handicap it as we sit here today, You'd have to say that's Preckwinkle's advantage because there still is that widespread anti-gay feeling among more conservative African-American voters. Yeah. Well,
1: I want to uh, turn to another subject since we have mentioned uh, uh, anti- the anti-corruption vote. Well, I am going to steal a line from a conversation that we had with uh, our colleague uh, uh, Greg Pratt from the, uh, the Tribune, uh, that it's ironic that an association with Alderman Ed Burke, who is facing federal corruption charges, proved damaging to every candidate except that had one Ed except Burke. Ed Burke. <laughs> <laughs> that has to be one of the biggest ironies. And in an a
0: award that's 80% Latino, the two Latino candidates combined, one of them backed by Chewy Garcia, who is supposed to be the new um, Hispanic machine boss, they couldn't even get close to 50% between them. And Burke coasted, even though it's possible that he won't be able to finish out his term if he's indicted and convicted. Yeah, that, that, that was a... Uh, but it also,
1: I think, you know shows that constituent service and retail campaigning, which Ed Burke did, makes a difference.
2: It's the fundamental quandary of Chicago politics in that Chicagoans expect their aldermen to not only legislate, but to also, you know, make sure that they've got a garbage can and that the pothole on their street is filled. And if you're somebody who's been voting for Ed Burke, who has been in office for 50 years, I imagine you feel pretty confident about his ability to pull those levers at City Hall and make sure that you know what you've got to do. Um, the two challengers in that race, Tanya Petino and Jaime Guzman, never closed the sale that they could do the same, and I think that's fundamentally how it broke down.
0: We talked about this at length on Tuesday night, and a couple of things: one. When you spend that much time in office and you have as much power as Burke does and Mike Madigan and some others, you're able to reward so many people in your ward with jobs and contracts and favors, and they remember that, so do their friends and family members and neighbors, and you have a huge army of built-in votes, and in a low-turnout election, that is frequently more than enough to put you over the top, and that's what happened. As Heather pointed out... The latino candidates didn't energize latino voters and so it wasn't that they all came out and voted for burke they just stayed home burke got his voters out by virtue of two things uh the services and the favors he's provided over the years the continuity of of the name and uh and, and as you pointed out he actually did what he never did before he actually went door to door and campaigned and reminded people of who he was and that it mattered and you know There's nothing like having somebody show up at your door and letting you know that it matters. I mean, if you're on the fence, that could be the difference.
2: Yeah. I think back to March when Ed Burke's brother, Dan Burke, lost his seat in the Illinois house, basically because of his association with his brother who of course served as president Donald Trump's um, property tax attorney here in Cook County. And the fact that, um, Burke's challengers didn't make more of an issue of his association with the president uh, boggled my mind. I kept waiting for those ads. And um, if you look at the fundraising, Tanya Pettina, who was the best funded, she didn't even crack $200,000. And Ed Burke literally had millions of dollars at his disposal. And I'll give credit to my colleagues at Block Club Chicago, who um, found that he was sending voters Chicago flag winter caps. And that shows you the level of money he had to spend, and sort of the attention to detail. I'm
0: he should have done the he should have used the Willie Wilson playbook and just basically handed out <laughs> hundred dollar bills.
1: Well, I don't think he had the foundation set up already, and and <laughs> Willie Wilson does have a and had a legitimate foundation already going. But I'm sure if they could have set it up, they
0: probably would have. And now Burke Burke pointed out how anomalous his election was in a, in, an ele- in a season in which so many incumbents were forced into runoffs and three well-known incumbents lost outright, uh, and five five potent, five socialists could mm-hmm. end up in city council depending on the f- final outcome. And here you have a guy who is probably going to be indicted and could be convicted and sent to jail coasting to another victory.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm going to want to talk about some more of those, uh, those aldermanic races, but I just want to... Is this election... Lori Lightfoot's to lose or or is this the or are we waiting for the Democratic Party political apparatus to shift into high gear at
0: least one of the news accounts over the past couple days suggested that it was hers to lose I think it's a little premature to make that kind of a a, a prediction because of what we've just been talking about yes if you if you think this is a change election and it's an anti-corruption election she certainly is sitting in a good spot Although Preckwinkle's got a, what, $3 million available to start tearing her down. And she Preckwinkle's going to point out that she's a corporate attorney, going to claim that she protects banks, and that she was doing the bidding of Rich Daly and Rahm Emanuel um, and their police forces in her police jobs. They're going to try to taint her, connect her with Rich Daly and Rahm, neither of whom is particularly popular, uh, connect her with... a a big silk stocking law firm that uh, has very high billing rates and has enriched her fairly well to basically say that her clients are well-heeled one percenters. And those kinds of ads are going to undermine the the fresh-faced progressive view that she was able to convey in the limited time she was on the stage in the primary. Money's going to be a very big deal now. And and with the caps busted and the ability of people to write million-dollar checks, as Ken Griffin did for Bill Daley in the primary. Lori's going to need a couple of those checks to basically remind people, A, of the good things she did in her government jobs, and to remind people about the machine connections Preckwinkle has, and that if change is really the issue, nobody has a better credential than hers. But if she doesn't have a lot of money, I would say that it's not hers to lose. It's hers to lose if they're equally funded, I think. But that's questionable. She starts out with very little cash.
2: Mm. I think Prankwinkle faces a challenge to explain how she's the progressive choice in the race when she's the head of the Cook County Democratic Party and she's the you know sitting Cook County Board president. So that's the needle that she's going to have to thread. Um, Lori Lightfoot's going to face a lot of questions about how she will be able to run the city of Chicago. Um, never having held elected office before? Can she, you know, make sure that city services continue the way Chicagoans have expected? Um, And I think those are really the two fundamental questions they both have to answer. And Preckwinkle, I think, is perhaps in a little bit more perilous territory because she is certainly more connected to Ed Burke than she is, than Lori Lightfoot is. And where that corruption investigation is going to go is anyone's guess. And the other
0: thing we have to keep in mind is that people are going to start to pivot a little bit away from corruption as the big issue and the fresh face of Lightfoot, and they're going to look at the challenges facing the city going forward, the, the ongoing pension crisis, the city financial struggles, uh, policing and police reform, schools, the future of charter schools, taxation, property taxes and others. And I think people are going to want to hear what each of these people have to say about that. Ironically, I think that they're not going to prove to be very far apart on most of those bread and butter issues because they're both fairly well-credentialed liberal Democrats who basically line up pretty consistently on most of those issues I just mentioned. And so it may come down to, A, personality, and B, perception of who is the fresh face change candidate if that's the if that becomes the dispositive issue.
1: I think we're going to end up seeing both of them smiling more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is funny because I I know Lori Lightfoot quite well by way of full disclosure, as I did on Tuesday night. Lori was uh, on our BGA board for several years. I recruited her because I thought she was a very talented person. We could never have recruited Tony Preckwinkel because we don't use elected officials on our board. She was a very strong board member, a good government advocate until she became head of the police board, at which point there was a conflict and she dropped off of our board. But I will say she is dead serious most of the time. Tony Preckwinkle is almost as dead serious all the time. I think if we have smiles and occasional laughter in this campaign, it'll be shocking to many people.
1: Although both of them have really hearty laughs. I've I've known them long enough to
0: have heard uh, heard.
1: But it's funny, Craig,
0: as we've seen, as you cover campaigns, and Hillary Clinton's a great example. I knew Hillary quite well, off camera and behind the scenes. Hillary was a charming, friendly, warm, nice person, great wife, great mother, great grandmother, great friend, and yet that never translated very effectively on the campaign trail. And so I, I will just say that Lori and Tony may be warm, friendly, uh, laughable, laughing characters. Ah, uh, one to one behind the scenes, but when the ca- when the lights go on, the cameras are shining. They seem to be very serious and frequently grim. You're listening to
1: WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and it's a reporters' roundtable, post-election and pre-election. Uh, we don't get to do that that often. My guests are WBBM political analyst Andy Shaw, the former head of the VGA, and Heather Sharone, managing editor of the Daily Line. Let's talk Aldermanic races because, if anything. They were even more surprising than the uh, mayor's race. We've got incumbents in the crosshairs, it seems, uh, this year. Three down. Uh, who knows how many more to go, uh, but how many more do go when the contest is one-on-one? Uh, but Arena, Moore, Moreno? <laughs> this, is, this is something we don't see all that often.
2: And two of those, uh, Proco Joe Moreno and, um, and Joe Moore, are committee chairs, So that will significantly change how, you know, just the business of city government gets done. Um, Potentially five other committee chairs are facing runoffs, um, including the mayor's floor leader, Patrick O'Connor, who only garnered about 33 percent of the vote in a five-way race to hang on to his 40th ward seat, where he's served since 1983 Um, which would be a huge sea change. Uh, He is the second in seniority to Alderman Ed Burke, who, of course, is in his 50th year on the city council.
0: And those losers uh, in the first ward, Moreno, uh, was was caught up in a number of of controversies and quote-unquote scandals. I think up in the 49th, I think people were just maybe getting a little tired of Joe Moore. He has a goofiness to him and a quirkiness and a kind of an unpredictability, and I think that eventually did him in. In terms of arena, or arena, who is, who is an effective alderman, I think what happened there is that he just proved to be a little too liberal for that ward. That ward has a lot of conservative elements. And Dan Proft, who is a very prominent conservative leader, mostly active on the state stage, uh, put up a candidate against um, Arena, who beat him, in part because a lot of the elder white ethnic voters in that ward found Arena a little bit too liberal on a lot of issues. So those three made a little sense. Specifically on affordable housing. I thought the one race that was maybe most satisfying to the winner was Tom Tunney in 44 who was able to defeat all of that Cubs slash Ricketts money to just win in a romp and the Ricketts family dollars that went behind a woman named Elizabeth Shidlowski I think she got like 10%. She was in third place and she never was she barely had a blip on the screen. And so it was a big victory for Tunney and that neighborhood is a slap at the Cubs, even though I would argue that Tunney and the Cubs really came out with some pretty good arrangements overall. But but that was an interesting one.
2: I'll follow your disclosure and mention that I used to work for DNA Info, which, of course, was owned by Joe Ricketts, the patriarch of the the Cubs family. Um, And I think it's important to note that um, Laura Ricketts supported Susanna Mendoza, who finished way down there, and her brother, Todd Ricketts, who, of course, is the finance chair of the Republican National Committee, supported Bill Daley, and he finished in third place. So it was not a good election night for the Ricketts clan. Let's
0: hope the Cubs have a better season. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I but I think, I, I mean, Andy, you point out, it wasn't just a victory for uh, for for Tony, but for the neighborhood. And I'm, I'm wondering if this wasn't a neighborhood saying to the Cubs, especially when they, they got involved, I mean, the Cubs got involved in an election. I think people may have felt offended by that, that this big corporation actually steps in and says, we want, we want our alderman." It's
0: kind of funny, too, Craig, because as I was working at the BGA, the Cubs became one of our sponsors, and I got to know Tom Ricketts, and he was a generous donor to BGA and he, a really nice guy. And he made a point of saying at a lunch a couple years ago that they didn't, they didn't contribute to candidates. They just stayed out of the political realm. They did their best job with Tunney. They were fighting Tunney and City Hall simultaneously because Rahm was difficult. And I watched it all unfold. And I would just say as a lifelong Chicago resident, I thought that it was at the end of the day, I thought the Cubs got most of what they needed. And I thought the neighborhood got most of the protections they needed. Now, if you live in that area, you can criticize my, my, my conclusion and say I'm wrong. But it felt like a win-win to me, and that's why it was a little surprising that the family got so involved in the in this race. When most of the big decisions involving the Cubs and the development around the the stadium are done, I mean, there's not a lot left to fight over.
2: Yeah, and in the forty seventh ward, a, a Cubs employee, Heather way is also finished out of the runoff.
0: Um, well, she barely registered on the screen; okay, she ab- had like three percent. Ab- absolutely. Mm,
1: well, I want to talk a little bit about millennials. Uh, who uh, did not seem to be coming out to the polls, but they've been all over the Aldermanic races.
0: Uh, Heather, how? Yeah, I'll <laughs> defer to Heather. We'll defer to Heather because yeah. she's the, I, I'm not sure if she is a I millennial. am not a millennial. But she's certainly, <laughs> she's about two or three decades closer to one than <laughs> you and I are. Yeah,
1: yes, and also. Uh, <laughs> Probably if, knows a lot of if them. If there's anything that the Daily Line uh, does best, It's that it looks at the local local neighborhoods and elections, uh, the local elections a lot more carefully than some of us are able to. How did how did this new crop of young gun candidates do?
2: So, you know, it it was a little bit of a split decision. Um, Joe Moore will be replaced by Maria Haddon, who is a millennial. She will be the first openly gay African-American woman elected to the city council. And that will be a big change. this the council's only, I think, true millennial will have more of his generational cohorts joining him um in the first ward. Croco Joe Moreno will be replaced by Daniel LaSpada, who is a millennial. Um, also, um, in the 40th Ward, Andre Vasquez is in the runoff against Pat O'Connor. And if you want to talk about a generational contrast, you, that's that's the one to look at. Um, Alderman O'Connor is, of course, in his 70s. And Andre Vasquez came up um, through the Chicago underground hip hop uh, universe and is good friends with Rhyme Fest, who endorsed him. So that's a you know a contrast uh, right there. Um, and the
0: base uh, ought to be great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not a betting man, but if I but if I were, uh, I'd put all my money on Pat O'Connor in that one. I can't imagine he gets taken out unless there's some huge turnout that. It is unlikely. But-
2: well, he only won thirty three percent of the vote. And my rule of thumb has been if you are an incumbent alderman who does not win more than forty five percent of the vote in the first round, you you are in a significant Problem. He was one of two self-declared socialists in the race. The other uh, a candidate in the race was Hugo O'Kere, who was actually endorsed by the Chicago chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America. Um, but they will certainly organize behind Andre, as they will in the 33rd ward, where they're backing Rosanna um, Sanchez against um, Alderman Delme- Deb Mel, who comes from a long, uh, you know, big Chicago political family
0: but i'm saying when 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 mel and o'connor start running their ads or whatever they do in a ward race mailers or whatever mm-hmm. and they talk about the dangers of uh, left wing socialism <laughs> I, I think it's look i think it's exciting when there's upsets and it certainly won't bother me if either o'connor or mel lose everything i think it's healthy to have new blood in the, in the in the in the council but i would just be shocked if either of them actually mm-hmm. loses even even with heather's rule but of thumb you're, but you're going ter- yeah,
1: if you're going to have a lo- uh, perhaps a lot of new blood well i want to one other issue. How could how much could the number of runoffs in this race affect Mayor Emanuel's battle to get major projects like the Lincoln Yards development, the, uh, the, the 78 and even the West Side Police and Fire Academy through before he leaves office? I mean, is this going to scare some some votes off of these projects?
2: I mean, that's a really good question. Um, You know, we're taping this Friday morning. The zoning committee is poised to vote on the training academy later today. Um, That would send the training academy to a final vote at the city council on on March 13th. Um, Last time the training academy was in front of the city council, only two aldermen, uh, Ricardo Munoz and Carlos Ramirez Rosa, uh, voted against it, so we'll see. And then, of course, Lincoln Yards is barreling down the track at us as and well. I, I guess, and
0: I just wonder um, whether whether Rom has any juice left uh, with only two months in his term. You know, there still are some favors he can dispense in the last month or so. Alderman like that, uh, each of the people in a runoff that Rom needs as a vote, uh, could conceivably you know give him the price tag for their ward. And so, technically speaking, he could get some things done. But I agree with you. Um, with things so up for grabs. If I were Tony Preckwinkle or or Lori Lightfoot, I would say right away, Council, halt, put the mm-hmm. brakes on. No big decision till we have this election and and one of us is there. Let's not rush to judgment on any of these big things. They may do that, mm-hmm. but I think it'd be uh, if I were one of those candidates, I would call I would call on my council runoff folks to halt. And let's finish off the election season before we make any big decisions. Is is Kappelman in a fight?
2: He is. He is facing a— And he's the chair of the
0: uh, the, uh, which committee? Of of the 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 zoning committee. He
2: replaced disgraced alderman Danny Solis.
1: So whether he calls that for a vote or not may be the decision that gets made because if he calls it, it might pass, but maybe he doesn't call it.
2: Yeah, that's a big question. I'm waited with, waiting with bated breath.
0: And I'm wondering, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what the other 12 candidates who uh, finished out of the running in the mayor's race do, because those endorsements could be very, very significant. Each of them will carry the potential of some thousands of votes. What does Mendoza do? What does uh, Vallis do? What does Bill Daley do? If Bill Daley goes behind one of these candidates, that's a message that business ought to back that candidate and put some money into it. So... The second thing I'd be doing if I'm Tony or, or um, Lori, maybe the first thing is to be calling candidates one by one and seeing what it takes to get their endorsements and some help in both financially and on the street with troops, because as we said, 1.6 million registered voters and how many came out in this election? Heather probably knows better than I mean, me, a couple hundred thousand, About 500,000. I mean, it'd be nice. To, so there's a lot of folks out there waiting to be uh, cajoled or convinced that they should participate. And I think that's going to be part of the big behind-the-scenes story in the next few weeks.
1: And by the way, we know that they have already, that uh, both candidates have already talked to Willie Wilson because he told us. Uh, <laughs> so I, that's the final word. I would like to thank Heather Sharon of The Daily Line and WBBM political analyst Andy Shaw for spending this half hour with us. This is always fun. And I'll
0: be Anytime. back with you on April 2nd. And we'll do yes, it again.
1: Yes, it'll be fun, too. To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That's WBBMNewsRadio.com. You will also find our podcasts on radio.com. I'll be back next week with another edition of that issue. I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM.